Hello, and welcome to another wonderful episode of Medley Kids. I'm Chris. And I'm Kaylee. And today, we are looking at the spooky fog of Juneberry. It's really spooky. Yeah. <laughs> we start off watching the mystery machine drive down a desert road, and everybody is whining about being hungry as Shaggy and Scooby finish off their last piece of watermelon. They're all saying, oh, we should have stopped at that town 50 miles ago and gotten food. But for some reason, they didn't, which was really dumb. Now, I don't know about you, but my mama taught me that if you're hungry on the road, you just go ahead and stop because you don't know what's going to be coming up ahead. And even if you know that there's a restaurant coming up, you don't know if there's going to be a wreck on the exit. So just go ahead and stop. If they would just listen to my mama, they would never have gotten into this situation at all. And they should have remembered that they had Shaggy and Scooby with them, and no food is going to last very long. I know, especially when the food is a watermelon. Yep. Not exactly the most filling thing in the world. And they said it wasn't even a whole watermelon. It was a piece of watermelon. I don't know what they were thinking at all. I don't think they were thinking. They see a sign for Juneberry. Which underneath the name of the town, it has the population marked and crossed out several times. And apparently the population has dropped by like 6,000. So, so of course Fred says, it looks like a friendly town. Maybe we can get some food there. Because friendly towns don't have suddenly dropping populations like that. Now, I mean, they could have people who were so desperate for outsiders that they're willing to just randomly throw food at them to make them stick around because they're sick of the small number of people that are still in town. True. But probably not. Yeah. As they drive through the town, it suddenly gets dark and there's a thick fog. And suddenly they also hear some strange noises, like some moans and groans and it's very spooky and they decide okay we don't care how far away the next town is let's keep going and they describe this fog as pea soup um it, it's some really thick stuff they can't really see what's going on outside the windows um, if you've ever played any early playstation games where out in the distance you just can't see anything it's the same kind of fog there there's just absolutely no way they can see what's going on. So very spooky, not worth a stop. Nobody wants to get caught in this stuff. So back to the desert they go. And then they start hearing another sound. Somehow Shaggy sees through the back of the mystery machine, which we saw earlier in the episode had no windows in the back it was completely metal behind him let's all do a science experiment real quick hold your hands up in front of your eyes can you see through your hand mm, no didn't think so solid objects cannot be seen through like that i don't know how they solved the motorcycle turns out it's a motorcycle cop who happens to be Don Knotts. Because of course it is. Yep. 
Scooby recognizes him first and whispers to Shaggy, who whispers to the rest of them. And they're like, oh, it's Don Knotts. And I guess trying to get out of the ticket, suddenly Velma and Daphne are pretty much hitting on him. They're like, oh, you're favorite. You're even more handsome in real life. They met him a few episodes ago, but apparently there's no continuity here. Yeah, they don't recognize who he is without Scooby. He doesn't recognize who they are. On his end, I can kind of understand it because he might be an alien or a robot or some kind of collective intelligence thing that just all share a similar looking body. And this instance of Don Knotts just hasn't been made aware of the Scooby gang. But also, when they do realize who he is, they act like they haven't met him before anyway. Yeah, I got no explanation for that one. Yeah. So, after a very strange conversation where he says, I clocked you going 90 miles an hour, and points his thumb over his shoulder at his motorcycle saying, you see that speedometer? Somehow Fred can see the dials and he says, but that looks like an RPM gauge. It's because he has the eyes of a hawk. And hawks are hunters. Apparently. So they get out of the ticket and Don Knotts tells them they've got the best hotels and best food. And gets them to come back to Juneberry despite the spookiness. He acts like he hasn't seen the fog or anything. I think he's just desperate to get somebody to come to the town. And I can understand that. A lot of small towns really do have good food, and they really do have good hotels. Small towns are fun. As they arrive in Juneberry, the fog has lifted, and there's a car driving off, yelling out the window, We're getting out of this spooky town! Yeah, when cars do that, it's not a good little small town. So I don't have high hopes for the lodging that they found. Yeah. And Don Knotts introduces them to Sheriff Dandy Griffith. I wonder who that's supposed to be. Now, Dandy Griffith sounds a lot like Andy Griffith. They're going to be taking a lot of Andy Griffith Show stuff in this episode. Um, You've got your southern sheriff cop guy. You have Don Knotts basically being Barney Fife. And you've got just little small town hijinks going on. This is a little bit more paranormal based than Andy Griffith ever got, though. Well, it is Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and Andy Griffith was a very decidedly not paranormal at all 1950s TV show. Yeah. Next, we see Gene Haltry, who is obviously a reference to Gene Autry, except he doesn't look much like him other than the cowboy outfit. He comes up and starts yelling at the sheriff about when they're going to get this cattle wrestling to stop. There's also no mention of him ever playing any music or anything, so I'm not sure why they went with the Gene Autry reference at all. There were so many people they could have gone with. They could have just not gone with a specific reference for anybody and gotten the same effect. Granted, this is me watching it in 2018 and not somebody watching it in 1972. Yeah, maybe they just liked him. Who knows? 
Ghost Riders in the Sky is a really good song. Mm-hmm. After he drives off, Don Knotts leads them inside the police station, which is apparently their lodging. He offers them a banana cream-based dessert. The exact name is escaping me because it's not a name that I've heard before, but it sounds really good. Because apparently somebody couldn't pay his fine or ticket or something, so he paid them in bananas and canned pudding. I don't know why they couldn't just call it banana pudding. I don't know. Also, let's take a look at this. Was he lying earlier when he said he was going to take them to the best hotel? Or is he saying that the prison in town is the best hotel? Maybe it is. Maybe he's just really, really lonely. Maybe. I mean, everybody's leaving the town. So he's probably bored and lonely. But they settle in for the night. Apparently the prison has really comfortable beds or something. And Don Knotts is sleeping at his desk when a shadow passes over him. And he gets really scared. Like, scared, completely stiff, in shock. And then the shadow passes over Scooby and wakes him up, which scares him. And it throws a horseshoe, which hits the bars around the cell. And poor Scooby looks like he's going to start crying because somebody threw a horseshoe at him. Poor baby. That part's totally understandable. If somebody threw a horseshoe at me, I'd be freaking out. Mm-hmm. I also wouldn't wake up because a shadow passed over my face, so that part's a little bit weird. But what can you do? I don't know how they got to sleep with so many lights on in the first place for there to be a shadow. Well, that's just because you can't sleep. Anyway, whatever was causing the shadow gives this really high, creepy laugh, and leaves. Which wakes up everybody else. They read a note that turns out was attached to the horseshoe, and they hear the laugh again from outside. So I do appreciate that the creepy laugh actually shows up more than once, unlike the last episode. Yes. They wake up Don Knotts by throwing water on him because he's just so much in shock they can't wake him up in a normal way. And he pretends to know all about what happens, goes to the window and yells out the window to the ghost to not fool with the law. And they hear another laugh and Don Knotts runs back to the the gang. So everybody tries to figure out who did it and they're like, hmm, I wonder if it's the sheriff because he's the only one not here. And they think that if they make him laugh the next day, it might happen to match the creepy laugh that they heard. The only person that's not there, except for the other person that they've met, who is also not there. Yep. So they automatically jump to not trusting the sheriff. And the next morning, they try really hard to make him laugh. And Donuts already warned warned them that the sheriff never laughs. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And they try various things. Shaggy and Daphne try to play what they call the laughing game, where you just laugh, and nothing works. Scooby did a silly dance. It's really silly, but nothing. And Velma and Fred do a Laurel and Hardy impression. And during Scooby's dance... Shaggy is eating a banana, and he throws the peel, which somehow ends up under Scooby's foot. It makes him slip, and 
the sheriff suddenly laughs. And his laugh matches the creepy one they heard. So the gang's kind of suspicious, but suddenly the lights dim, the fog's back. And Donut, Scooby, and Shaggy all hide under the same table. While Velma and Fred go to search outside for clues. And you get a wonderful scene of them running with the table on their back, and they try to run out the door, and the table gets stuck, but they run out the door anyway. It's pretty funny. And while Velma and Fred are outside looking for clues in the fog, a sign falls and almost hits them on the head. And they see a frog or or a lizard, and the lizard scares Velma because it runs, like, right in front of her feet unexpectedly. And then they see a black cat, and Velma thinks that's bad luck, which hurts my heart because we have black cats, and they are definitely not bad luck. They are very sweet and very good, but they are very hard to see in the dark, so they can be a bit surprising sometimes. Somebody throws a lasso at them, and Velma suddenly decides that she's worried, and they go back inside. Whoever threw the lasso at them presumably doesn't want to catch them very much because they throw the lasso at them one time, miss, and that's it. They don't try again. So later, after the fog has gone away, Velma shows the others the only clue that she's found so far, which are truck tracks. And they follow them up a hill, out of Juneberry, and the tracks end at a gravel road. And Don Knotts tells them that it leads to the cemetery. Because of course it does. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they decide to investigate later that night instead of in the broad daylight when it's going to be easier to see and at least figure out where things are. I can totally understand why they would want to be there at night because that's when the creepy stuff is going to happen. But you can go out in the day and say, hey, this is a spot I want to watch, and this is a spot I want to watch, and stay away from over here because there's a giant hole, and all kinds of things that are going to be so much easier to see in the daytime. And maybe they can find all the clues that have been left out there, like whatever equipment is being used to make the spooky stuff. How do you know it's equipment making the spooky stuff and not actual spooky stuff? Because it's usually not a real ghost, and it's somebody pulling off some sort of schemes so there would be some sort of equipment maybe even a costume or something lying around you never know usually the bad guys are kind of dumb you and your doyless logic here i'm sorry (laughs) so later that night they decide to split up and look for clues in the dark cemetery with flashlights since it's dark Yeah, don't use the big flashlight in the sky or anything. Nope. And at first, they're unaware of a man in a skeleton suit following them, and it's very obvious to us that it's a man in a skeleton suit because you can see the black in between the bones and stuff. It should be very obvious to them that it is also just a person in a skeleton suit because skeletons don't have muscles and thus cannot move their bones. Yeah, well, (laughs) they're too busy being scared because it's dark and in a cemetery. And while running away from the skeleton, once they notice it, Scooby decides to hug a gravestone monument type thing, and it triggers a secret door. 
So Don, Shaggy, and Scooby get chased by several ghosts while Velma, Fred, and Daphne follow the skeleton man into the tunnel that was revealed by the secret door. And eventually, after they escape these ghosts, Don, Shaggy, and Scooby catch up with the others inside the tunnel. Suddenly, there's another ghost behind Shaggy, Scooby, and Don, which puts its hand on Don's shoulder, and we can see through this ghost. So Don shouldn't be able to feel it, but he apparently does, and he thinks it's Scooby, even though Scooby is obviously walking on all fours when Don looks at him. Now, as a rational person, I would probably think the person behind me is getting me on the shoulder instead of a ghost. So I can kind of understand this. I guess. Anyway, this ghost scares them, of course, and they end up separated from the gang because they run into another tunnel and a a second secret door closes behind them and traps them. This sounds like a really cool cave, by the way. I want to go visit. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. It even has a ride that we'll get to later. Fred, Daphne, and Velma take a different branch of the tunnel, and they see what Velma thinks are stalactites and stalagmites. But they start moving and growling. For anybody who doesn't know, stalactites hang from the ceiling because they're hanging on tight, and stalagmites come up from the floor because eventually they might actually hit the ceiling. I haven't heard it that way. I've just always heard stalagmites have an M-like mountain, and they're shaped like a mountain. I like your version. Yeah, my version's much better. Well, as they get closer, somehow, these stalactites and stalagmites turn out to be dinosaur teeth. But not just any dinosaur teeth. Brontosaurus teeth that are very pointy. There are so many reasons this makes no sense. And... One of the reasons can be explained by our great friend, Kylie. Hi, guys. My name is Kylie Beard. I'm a recent graduate of the College of Charleston, where I double majored in geology and archaeology. Within those fields, I specialized in paleontology and the study of textile artifacts, respectively. And while archaeology is cool, I'm going to talk about dinosaurs today. And their teeth. Mostly their teeth. So the species we know as Brontosaurus was identified in 1880 and was recently declared not an actual species, but that's a lie. It's a species. It's very distinct from the Apatosaurus, which it was thought to have been the same as. Based on their head shapes and over 400 other criteria, the Brontosaurus was reinstated as its own branch of the Diplodocid tree. Speaking of Brontosaurus's head, let's talk about his teeth. Our friend Bronto had dull, flat teeth for grinding up the leaves and other vegetation it liked to eat. He could not have even eaten meat, and he wouldn't have wanted to. He couldn't digest it. Teeth are a really good indicator of diet. Take people, for example. We have incisors for cutting or biting, which is why you bite an apple with the front of your mouth and not the side. We have canines for tearing, which is why you probably eat beef jerky from the corner of your mouth, right where that one sharp tooth is. And finally, your molars. We chew with the back of our mouths. That's where the flat teeth are that are really good for chewing and grinding up food because we eat meat and vegetables. Brontosaurus and many other herbivorous species, think cows, have mouths full of molars, just the chewing teeth, and maybe some biting teeth in the front for pulling those yummy leaves off the trees. 
Seriously, try and chew up your lunch with just the front of your mouth and you'll understand this. Meat eaters have sharp teeth. Think cats. Very sharp teeth. You know what those little fur balls love to eat? Meat. It's their natural diet. Sharp teeth. Meat eaters have sharp teeth for tearing meat. Plant eaters, like our friend the brontosaurus, have flat teeth for chewing up leaves. Thank you, Kylie, for teaching us about the shape of dinosaur teeth. And other teeth. Suddenly, the brontosaurus disappears, realizes that it's an illusion made with projectors and stuff and movie magic. Fred's on a roll here. He really is. Past couple episodes, he's been all over it. Velma's been slagging. I don't know what's going on. At least Velma seems to have mostly gotten her brain back for this episode. Just a step or two behind Fred. Still better than the last episode. Are we seeing a changing of the guard here? Is Fred becoming the smart Maybe. one? Maybe. That's a scary thought. Oh, boy. Scooby and Shaggy fall into a large pit because Shaggy decides to step into the hole in order to try and rescue Scooby. So he, of course, falls with him because you're supposed to stay on the side where it's safe to try and pull somebody up and I guess Shaggy didn't realize this and they decide to build a large pile of rocks up the side of it in order to escape so who's the most logical person to have them climb out of the hole so they can rescue the other two I would think the one with actual hands so that leaves us with two options see I would go with the gymnast and track person because there's a history of physical fitness, and body coordination. Leaves us with Shaggy. So, of course, who do they get to climb up? Scooby. <laughs> because dogs are great climbers. Yep. Let's go with that. Yeah. I think Shaggy's just being a wimp. And so Scooby climbs up, but as he gets to the top... Somebody, who we don't see, it's definitely not Shaggy, but somebody grabs a rock and pulls it out of the pile, and it makes the entire pile collapse. So poor Scooby falls down. Of course, nothing makes it fall while Scooby's climbing. Yeah. And somehow that fall opened up a tunnel in the side of the bottom of the pit that somehow wasn't there before. And there's railroad tracks going through it. So Scooby and Shaggy follow the railroad tracks and find a coal cart. And it's a Donkey Kong minecart level. Yeah, there's no mistaking this thing at all. I mean, if you've played Donkey Kong Country at all in any form, it's a minecart level. The only thing it's missing is bananas floating in the air. I seriously think the creators of Donkey Kong Country watched this episode and were like... That would make an awesome video game level because the aesthetics are the same. This minecart, which in real life would be on fairly level ground and go pretty slow, is like a roller coaster. It's got huge ups and downs and it's going super fast and it honestly looks like a lot of fun. But eventually they hit a, a bump and the cart stops and they're thrown out and Scooby ends up tangled up in a chain. And they're back in the pit where they started somehow. Shaggy decides that the chain would make a great lasso 
but he's not very good at it. So Scooby tries and manages to lasso a rock with a chain. Let's ignore for a little bit the part where Scooby doesn't really have the proper hand configuration to make a lasso. I was talking. Well, it was already made into a lasso. He just had to do the twirling part. His hands aren't set up well for that either. I was talking to some people before. Um, getting a chain to be a lasso would be ridiculously difficult to get your spin rate and every and your speed going well enough to get the chain to fly. Plus the part where you have to have a special knot in there to even have the lasso work. And that is basically impossible with a chain. So the only way this can work is if somebody took the chain, connected it so that there was a loop at the end, in which case you've got a immovable loop. Which is going to make the chain too short to reach all the way down to where they are. But somehow it works, and they climb up the chain and meet up with Don, Fred, Daphne, and Velma. Fred dusts off the wall, which was totally rock a second ago, and finds a hidden wooden door, which they push open to reveal a large stairwell. And at the top, they find a, a huge computer, and the skeleton man is sitting at it. Don sneezes, which of course alerts the skeleton man to their presence. And there's a large amount of smoke and an earthquake. Because of course there is. Yep. So the earthquake causes a big hole in the ground and everybody has to jump and poor Scooby is scared, but he makes it across. And the skeleton man finds this huge pipe and turns it on, which floods the cavern. And everybody swims really badly, but somehow goes against the current to get out to high ground. Don Knotts is apparently a very bad swimmer, so he just holds on to Scooby, and Scooby saves his life. So, yay, Scooby. He's a hero. So after everybody gets out onto high ground, the skeleton man is climbing a rope out. And after he gets to the top, he cuts the rope. So everybody's trapped at the bottom of a pit once again. And they see that there's tiny ledges going all the way up that somebody can use as handholds and footholds to basically do a rock climbing wall to get to the top. So this time, you've got the whole Scooby gang as an option, plus Don Knotts. You've already seen the mistake of what happens when you don't use Shaggy in a situation like this. And who do they use? They use Scooby and tell him to pretend he's a cat, which he does not appreciate at all. He also doesn't do a very good job. Well, he does climb all the way up. And he lowers the rope and holds onto it with his paws and not his teeth so that Fred can climb up. And Fred holds the rope for everybody else. Everybody climbs up. And once they are at the top, they're in the outside world and they see a huge herd of cattle. And they see skeleton men forcing the... Bah, they see skeleton men forcing the cattle into large trucks. Ooh, you know what you forgot? What? Down in the cave. They're freaking out. Everybody's together. They're all wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. And we see some actual ghosts, right? 
two headless horseman ghosts galloping along. That's right. I said two. What is up with two headless horseman ghosts? I don't know. I thought there was only one. Shaggy even identifies them as the headless horsemen of Sleepy Hollow. And I haven't read the book, to be honest, but I was pretty sure that it was one headless horseman, at least one at a time or something like that. I don't remember it ever being two. I wonder if there's anybody we can ask about that. Hmm. Hi, Megan here. I'm the co-host of the classic literature comedy podcast, Ona Liklas, which for some reason made Chris think that I am an authority on headless horse persons. There's kind of really only one famous uh, narrative headless horseman from the short story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Traditional folklore uh, says that the horseman was a Hessian artilleryman who was killed during the Battle of White Plains in 1776. But actually, the headless horseman has been a major motif in European folklore since, like, the medieval times. In fact, it's not only in British folklore, but Irish, German, and even Indian folklore um, has this weird thing going on with Headless Horseman. Although, interestingly, for Indian stories, the Headless Horseman is a heroic figure. Guy's head lopped off and became a super cool dude. Uh, sometimes he carries his head, sometimes it's a pumpkin. It's, it's a real mystery, which probably explains why he was on Scooby-Doo. And that's all I've got. But uh, I'm no expert. I'm not 100% sure why anyone thought I was. Zoinks. So yeah, one headless horseman ghost. Why is there two headless horseman ghosts? Why is nobody freaking out that there's more than one ghost? Probably because they're just freaking out that there's ghosts. They probably haven't read the book either. Yeah. So anyway, they're all, we'll jump back into normal continuity now. We go outside, and everybody sees all these cows out there. And a bunch of skeleton men running around, despite the fact that they have no muscle structure. And it's foggy once again, and in the fog, Scooby finds a frog. And starts barking at him, which startles the cattle a little bit, so everybody decides to bark like Scooby and cause a stampede. Which ends up working, because the skeleton man hides under a truck and says, I give up! In a somewhat familiar voice from earlier in the episode. Who could it be? Let's find out after this commercial break. Hi, this is Emily Prokop from The Story Behind, which is a podcast about the extraordinary history behind the ordinary. What does that mean? It means whenever my ADHD gets the best of me, I begin to wonder the stories behind everyday objects. This is the story behind sporks, behind chewing gum, behind hoodies, places. This is the story behind Mount Rushmore. This is the story behind speakeasies or people. This is the story behind Uncle Sam. This is the story behind Betty White. Everything has a backstory. And from what I've noticed from doing the show, not everything is as plain and simple as history books may have you believe. Join me Mondays and Thursdays on your favorite podcast app or at thestorybehindpodcast.com. And thanks for listening. So the skeleton man is under the truck. I give up. I don't know what's going on. And they unmask him to reveal Gene Haltry. What? Apparently, 
apparently he was using the fog to sneak the cattle out in trucks. And I'm assuming he was actually smart enough to rustle some of his own cattle to keep suspicion off of him because he was one of the ones complaining about cattle wrestling and it wouldn't make sense if his own weren't going away. Also, if he had insurance on his cattle, which I'm sure is a thing that exists, he could have probably gotten insurance money for his quote-unquote lost herd. That too. So Don Knotts takes him away to jail, of course. And later the sheriff congratulates them all. Still don't know why somebody with the sheriff's laugh was freaking everybody out during the the fog earlier. But maybe it was Gene Haltry just trying to frame the sheriff or something. Who knows? Maybe the sheriff is kind of in on it somehow. If you have a theory, pop into the Facebook group and let us know what your theory is. Yeah. And the gang and is leaving. They are driving down the same road from earlier. When suddenly Shaggy sees that there's a motorcycle cop behind them again and they're hearing the sirens so they pull over and sure enough it's Don Knotts who tells them they forgot something they forgot the logical craziness of everything no they forgot poor Scooby-Doo how could you forget Scooby well Don Knotts implies that Scooby tried to stay with him on purpose Because he is his hero. What, are you saying that sometimes animals will sneak into an enclosed area to be with a person that they love? Yeah, that actually happened with me today. One of our cats is apparently a ghost who can go through walls and doors. No, let's be fair. Two of them did. True, but one of them has been in here for like an hour with me and showed up right before we started recording and I had no idea. And she wears a bell around her neck. That would instantly make her the best Scooby villain. Yes. Anyway, Scooby jumps in the mystery machine, and everybody laughs, and they're happy to have him back. And it's the end. So what did we learn this episode? We learned that Fred might still be the killer. There is a point where Shaggy and Scooby are coming out from under a pile of stuff and Scooby ends up on Fred's shoulders and kind of freaking out a little bit, but to an understandable level, cause you are suddenly on a guy's shoulders until Fred says, it's just me, Fred. And Scooby freaks out even more and runs away. <laughs> we learned that the Scooby gang cannot remember Don Knotts or they have been brainwashed into forgetting Don Knotts from the earlier episode. Or that there's just not much continuity between the episodes of this series. Or that Don Knotts is really unremarkable, in which case, why did they have him in an episode? Two episodes. I know. (laughs) We also learned that Scooby cannot climb very well. He can almost climb. He can almost climb very well, but he just can't finish. He can climb very well for being a dog. And he does climb all the way to the top of that cliff. He just doesn't climb from the pile of rocks. You're right. I'm judging him on something that he's not made to do. Exactly. He climbs extremely well for a Great Dane who is not built for climbing at all. 
you're right. I need to judge him for the things that he's good at and not the things that he never should be good at. Exactly, and poor Scooby had to do all the work in this episode. I mean, he figured out how to cause a stampede at the end. He had to climb two really tall, steep things that he's not built for. And he had to do the lasso. He just carried the whole gang this time. Scooby is definitely the MVP of this episode. He definitely is. We also learned that if your town has a few thousand people in it, when strangers come in, you're only going to see two of them. Yep. And the people getting out of town. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty much a ghost town at this point, I guess. Even though there were still 2,000-some-odd people left. Maybe they were all just hiding. Who knows? No idea. If you have any ideas, you can get in touch with us at Twitter or the Facebook group Badly Kids Podcast and Scooby-Doo Discussion Group, which is moderated by our wonderful friend Tiff, who's super cool, and we love her, and you should too, because she's great. If you want to help support the show, then you can visit our shop or the recently created Patreon. Links to both of those are in the show notes. We just recently, in the past few days, put out a new shirt. It's really cool. Um, The art department, Kaylee, made it, so you should definitely go check that out. If you like hearing us, though, on other things, you can go check out Play Comics, where I talk about video games based on comic things. Sometimes Kaylee is on the show, too. So if you're interested, I can tell you which ones she's on, or you can search the titles for the ones that have her name in it. Thank you to Dave Seste for the music, Night Surfing. And just remember, the next time you try to run a wrestling scheme and forget that light just isn't a material that can be touched by humans, you probably still wouldn't have gotten away with it, even if it weren't for us meddling kids. We see, <clears throat> sorry, next we see, Scott, nah. <laughs> sorry, I got cat hair up my nose.